Chapter Seven of Undine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pete Williams. Undine by Friedrich de Lamotte Fouquet, translated by F. E. Bunnett. Chapter Seven: What Further Happened on the Evening of the Wedding. Both before and during the ceremony Undine had shown herself gentle and quiet, but it now seemed as if all the wayward humors which rioted within her burst forth all the more boldly and unrestrainedly. She teased her bridegroom and her foster parents, and even the holy man whom she had so lately reverenced with all sorts of childish tricks, and when the old woman was about to reprove her she was quickly silenced by a few grave words from the knight, speaking of Undine now as his wife. Nevertheless, the knight himself was equally little pleased with Undine's childish behavior. But no signs and no reproachful words were of any avail. It is true, whenever the bride noticed her husband's dissatisfaction, and this occurred occasionally, she became more quiet, sat down by his side, caressed him, whispered something smilingly into his ear, and smoothed the wrinkles that were gathering on his brow. But immediately afterward some wild freak would again lead her to return to her ridiculous proceedings, and matters would be worse than before. At length the priest said in a serious and kind tone, "'My fair young maiden, no one indeed can look at you without delight, but remember so to attune your soul betimes, that it may ever harmonize with that of your wedded husband.' "'Soul,' said Undine, laughing, that sounds pretty enough, and may be a very edifying and useful caution for most people. But when one hasn't a soul at all, I beg you, what is there to attune, then? And that is my case. The priest was silent and deeply wounded, and with holy displeasure he turned his face from the girl. She, however, went up to him caressingly, and said, No, listen to me first, before you look angry— for your look of anger gives me pain, and you must not give pain to any creature who has done you no wrong. Only have patience with me, and I will tell you properly what I mean. It was evident that she was preparing herself to explain something in detail, but suddenly she hesitated, as if seized with an inward shuddering, and burst out in a flood of tears. They none of them knew what to make of this ebullition, and filled with various apprehensions they gazed at her in silence. At length, wiping away her tears and looking earnestly at the reverend man, she said, "'There must be something beautiful, but at the same time extremely awful, about a soul. Tell me, holy sir, were it not better that we never shared such a gift?' She was silent again as if waiting for an answer, and her tears had ceased to flow. All in the cottage had risen from their seats and had stepped back from her with horror." She, however, seemed to have eyes for no one but the holy man. Her features wore an expression of fearful curiosity, which appeared terrible to those who saw her. The soul must be a heavy burden, she continued, as no one answered her. Very heavy, for even its approaching image overshadows me with anxiety and sadness. And, ah, I was so light-hearted and so merry till now— and she burst into a fresh flood of tears, and covered her face with the drapery she wore. Then the priest went up to her with a solemn air, and spoke to her, and conjured her by the name of the Most Holy to cast aside the veil that enveloped her, if any spirit of evil possessed her. 
but she sank on her knees before him, repeating all the sacred words he uttered, praising God, and protesting that she wished well with the whole world. Then at last the priest said to the knight, "'Sir Bridegroom, I will leave you alone with her whom I have united to you in marriage. So far as I can discover there is nothing of evil in her, but much indeed that is mysterious. I commend to you prudence, love, and fidelity.' So saying, he went out, and the fisherman and his wife followed him, crossing themselves. Undine had sunk on her knees. She unveiled her face and said, looking timidly round on Huldbrand, Alas, you will surely now not keep me as your own, and yet I have done no evil, poor child that I am. As she said this, she looked so exquisitely graceful and touching that her bridegroom forgot all the horror he had felt and all the mystery that clung to her, and hastening to her he raised her in his arms. She smiled through her tears. It was a smile like the morning light, playing on a little stream. "'You cannot leave me,' she whispered with confident security, stroking the knight's cheek with her tender hand. Huldbrand tried to dismiss the fearful thoughts that still lurked in the background of his mind, persuading him that he was married to a fairy— or to some malicious and mischievous being of the spirit world. Only the single question half unawares escaped his lips. "'My little Undine, tell me this one thing. What was it you said of spirits of the earth and of Kuliborn when the priest knocked at the door?' "'It was nothing but fairy tales. Children's fairy tales,' said Undine, with all her wonted gaiety. "'I frightened you at first with them, and then you frightened me.' That's the end of our story and of our nuptial evening. Nay, it isn't, said the knight, intoxicated with love, and extinguishing the tapers, he bore his beautiful beloved to the bridal chamber by the light of the moon, which shone brightly through the windows. End of chapter 7 Recording by Pete Williams, Pittsburgh, PA